Happy Sunday morning, Salt Lake City, Provo, Orem, and Colville. You're listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM The Zone. This is SLC Culture, a Sunday morning meandering through arts, culture, social issues, community topics, and other happenings that we stumble upon today. Uh, we have the full accompaniment of people here. We've been missing Talon lately because uh, producer Talon has been producing for the bees, and so we don't get producer Talon as much. Producer Talon, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, show show host Christian. I appreciate that. Uh, Your thanks are acknowledged, and thank you, sir. Uh, Also with me in the co-pilot seat is the inevitable Christy Marcy, cultural maven. Hi. I have to say, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard the part of Who Let the Dogs Out that is after the actual Who Lets the Dogs Out part. And I don't know if I am currently better or worse for finally You clearly weren't in elementary school in the year 2000. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, no. So, actually, I, I was doing the intro and, and, you know, working really hard to hit my notes, Provo, Orem, Colville, you know, Salt Lake City, all of our broadcasting areas. So, I didn't actually hear who let the dogs out. Did, was the question answered in the lyrics? Do we know who, in fact, did let the dogs out? No, but we heard that the party was right and the party was bumping. Mm, all right. <laughs> well, you know, dogs, you know, uh, and we'll get to this today. They're, this is what you call a segue. Uh, dogs often don't perhaps like loud noises. Maybe the party bumping means the dogs should have been out. I mean, in a responsible, non-random off-leash sort of way. You know, do you know what this is a segue for, Christy Marcy? It could be going anywhere. <laughs> that is fair. Uh, so, you know, um, before the 4th of July, we had a we had an episode talking about how to have a more sustainable 4th. One of the things that we talked about was fireworks and the fact that it's getting into the hotter part of summer and how do we, you know, sustain water and work on air quality. But we got to thinking, um, this time of year is really, really hard on animals and pets because there's heat stress and other such things. Also, um, I don't know that there's ever a slow time of year for uh, pet adoptions, but we wanted to talk to, about some pet issues. So with us today is Tema Martin, who is the PR guru, tech public relations specialist, but I like gr- specialist and guru to me are synonyms, uh, here from Best Friends Animal Society. Hey, Tema, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. So, a couple things. Um, so, we just got off of the 4th of July, and here, so I am not a Utah native, and uh, so I had to learn what Pioneer Day was, but we have a doubling of fireworks-based holidays here in one of our hottest months. Uh, and, you know, I do not own a dog, but I, you know, but how do the fireworks affect our pets? Well, here in Utah, generally in in most areas, the fireworks are legally allowed three days before the holiday, on the holiday, and three days after. So you had a week of fireworks? A week of fireworks, plus people don't necessarily abide by that, and so there's straggler fireworks, you know... Mm almost the entire time between the 4th and the 24th. But then that's one full week and then a little bit of a break and then another full week of legal fireworks. And while some pets are not affected at all by the fireworks, a lot of dogs are fully phobic Mm. when it comes to loud noises. And they tend to be the same dogs that are afraid of thunder. Mm. So most people are not entirely surprised by this. They've seen the behaviors before. They see their dog freak out when there's a thunderstorm. But a lot of these dogs who are very seriously anxious when it comes to fireworks will injure themselves or get loose because if they're left outside a yard that normally keeps them safe like a fence 
um, it's just not enough. They're so fearful and they just they don't know what's happening and they want to get away. So dogs have been known to dig under fences, jump fences, break tethers, even break through glass because they're so fearful and they just want to escape, which, of course, I mean, logically, you're thinking, well, the fireworks can't hurt them and getting out loose is more dangerous than staying home. But the dogs don't know that. Right. So, I mean, I, I think it is, a, it is a bit of a reach to think that we will be changing our fireworks habits in this particular community anytime soon. So let's, what are some ways that if you do have a dog that is phobic that makes it easier for them uh, during the 14 days of July fireworks? Sure. Well, one of the things, if your pet is extremely phobic, like you're afraid the dog will will hurt him or herself because of the fireworks, you can actually get medications mm-hmm. to reduce the anxiety from a veterinarian. But for if your pet's not quite at that level, but you want to do something, do keep them inside. I've heard recommendations that if you put them in kind of a, a back room and close the curtains so they can't see the lights and even though this seems um, counterintuitive, I've heard if you play like a war movie on TV that has a lot of loud banging sounds built into it, that they can't d- distinguish the sounds from the TV mm. with from the sounds outside, and that that kind of, in a way, drowns it out. So It builds an ambient level of whatever it happens to be of noise. Yes, yes, exactly. So some people say music works, um, but you know the, the important thing is that you keep them inside and safe. And if you are going to neighborhood fireworks displays, mm-hmm. even if they're just little ones in the front yard, it's best not to ever have a pet out there with you because dogs have a natural prey drive and they'll see those bright things bouncing around and a lot of dogs will actually run towards them. And so dogs could be blinded or, or burned by the fireworks because they see a moving object and think, wow, that's really exciting. What is that? And they go for it instead of away from it. Uh, Christy Marcy. Yes. I don't know why I'm using your full name today. It's just um, it's okay. Anyway, so Christy. Jane, you, if you want to go all in. Christy, Jane, Marcy. I'm good. Uh, so you have a dog. Um, I did. Oh, you, you. I lost it in the breakup. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, was, was Dorothy Barker a fearful of noise dog? Um, you know, I heard that she struggled a little on the fourth, mm-hmm. but it, it. You know what? I have to tell you now that it's all over. We never named her North Dorothy Barker because he didn't like the name, and so her name is actually Clementine. And I get to the name gets to live on when I decide that I'm going to get a pet. So, so, so. We- you had a fake pseudonym for you had a yeah. fake dog personality. My friends um, from Radio from Hell do the same thing with mm-hmm. their kids. I use my kids' real names, but I protect the privacy of my dog on the radio. <laughs> uh, Talon, you seem like a you seem like a man who had come from a family of dog lovers. Yes, dog family. Yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, we didn't really have dogs, but we are a dog family. Wait, wait, wait. That? Yeah, how's that Cause, work? Because like my all my grandparents had dogs, but just my parents decided they didn't want to deal with the trouble of training two boys kind of how they train dogs while also training a dog uh, okay okay well uh, we were kind of raised like dogs my dad can whistle me and my brother to him well, nice you have a herding instinct we just know it's his whistle and if we don't uh, show up in front of his whistle in 30 seconds we might get a newspaper above our head yeah. are you also afraid of fireworks no no I love fireworks okay mm. good were your dogs or your grandparents dogs afraid of fireworks 
I per- I do not particularly remember that. And we they were they were out, they were outdoor dogs. They were on firearms and fireworks and 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 ATVs a lot. So I do not particularly remember them being afraid of well, uh, fireworks. Well, I I have a feeling too that probably some of the breed the different breeds probably react differently. I assume I don't know. Do I? I'm not a dog person, but do hunting and sporting dogs to your point that are trained for this sort of stuff? Is it as are the poodles are the poodles the weak? Although they technically get things too. Is it? W- I had a coonhound once who was terrified of fireworks. Like we would find her under, like she would like climb under clothes baskets for like shelter, and she was ostensibly a hunting dog. She treed my cat once. That's the closest she ever got to actually hunting. It's actually very individual. Uh, We have two pit bulls and one is terrified and one doesn't care at all. So it's, I I think it's probably a lot more just individual, you know, socialization and experience that causes them to be afraid. But whatever kind of dog you have, it is, a, and or cat, it is a good idea to make sure they have, a, have current identification tags on mm-hmm. just in case, because this is a super busy time for the shelters. A lot of pets get lost because of the fireworks. And mm-hmm. so having a tag on might mean that a neighbor, you know, a couple blocks away finds your pet and it never has to go into the shelter. Or if it does get to the shelter, that they can call you right away and get it back home to you. Actually, that's a great segue. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, I probably should have uh, jumped in with this, but then I had my fireworks segue and so we sort of got in how we did. But let's talk a little bit about, so you're at Best Friends Animal Society. So let's talk a little bit about Best Friends Animal Society you're down in Sugar House. Um, what is it that you do? You're a shelter, and then I know there's like No Kill Utah. And so how do all of these entities sort of exist, and, and how do they, what do they do? Okay. Well, um, an even bigger picture, Best Friends Animal Society is based out of Kanab, Utah, and we have a national presence. We run the largest no-kill animal sanctuary in the United States, and we have about um, generally about 16 to 1,700 animals at our sanctuary down there, including dogs and cats, obviously, uh, rabbits, goats, pigs, horses, wildlife, um, Did I mention bunnies? Anyway, a a variety of different types of animals. And it's a sanctuary, so while most of them could be placed in a home if if somebody fell in love with them, they can also stay there for the rest of their lives if, if that's how it works out. So Best Friends Animal Society has a presence in um, like a, a life-saving center in Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, New York City, Atlanta, and then here in Sugar House, we have our own little life-saving center mm-hmm. and office. And the mission of Best Friends Animal Society is to work towards ending the killing of pets in shelters nationwide. So what we're doing here in Utah is we have this little adoption center um, on 1100 East and just about right in the heart of Sugar House, 2005 South. I've never quite figured out how to say that the right way, so I just say the numbers. And we have cats there all the time. We have dogs that we bring in seven days a week from partner shelters, Mm -hmm. and they come in in the morning, hang out there, get walked by volunteers, get treats, and and are up for adoption. And then if they don't get adopted, they go back to their, their shelter at night. We have, uh, we support uh, spay-neuter. We have a clinic in Orem where we do very low-cost spay-neuter because obviously we're trying to reduce the number of animals that are going into shelters in the first place. And so Best Friends Animal Society is the overall um, organization. And then Best Friends here in Salt Lake City, 
started in 2014 the No Kill Utah Coalition. And to back up just a bit, we actually started a coalition of animal shelters in Utah in 1999. And the No Kill Utah is the final push to try to make Utah a no-kill state. And what that would mean is that 90% of the animals coming into shelters in Utah leave alive, either through adoption or being returned to their owners or being taken in by another animal rescue group. We've got 57 groups working together in Utah to achieve that, and we are making progress. In 1999, when we started the coalition, only about 46% of the animals that came into shelters left alive. Okay, that, that was going to be my follow-up question. Because when you said 90, I was wondering at the baseline, so you had 46. Is that, is that relatively, if I picked a random state, I don't know, Missouri, it's in the middle of the country, just picking it randomly. I mean, is that a fairly standard number, 46, somewhere around that nationally? Um, hopefully, it's it's nationally higher than that. I think nationwide, we're somewhere in the 70s, and 70% save rate. Um, so th- in, back when we started, about 38,000 animals were killed in Utah shelters every year. It is now down to about 3,500. What the 90% save rate that we, that we use, it's a threshold. And what that means is that the reason it's 90% is we recognize that about 10% or less of the animals that come into shelters are either so badly injured or mm. too sick or... Um, frankly too dangerous to be safely placed in a home and so we have that leeway acknowledging that shelters that take in mm-hmm. all the un, you know all the homeless animals in their community are going to have a certain number that are not appropriate or it wouldn't be kind to adopt them back out so where we are statewide is just above 85%. So we're making good progress mm-hmm. and we've got about 5% to go. We'd like to see every shelter and community in Utah reach that at least that 90% save rate. You're listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM The Zone. This is SLC Culture and we are talking with Tema Martin who is the Public Relations Specialist for Best Friends Animal Society. Uh, a little bit about how to keep your pet safe through the holidays of the fireworks holidays uh, and then some just questions about um, the shelter process in general so um, so we had talked about like let's say a pet gets loose and is scared because of the fireworks and goes away and I I mean ideally to your point I find a dog that has a tag and I can call their owner easy mm-hmm. let's say it's a little bit more complicated I don't see anything as a person who finds a stray animal what should I do well, um, probably the first thing, if they don't have a, a tag on, you could take them to a shelter or veterinarian and get them scanned to see if they have a microchip, because that's a good backup form of identification. Although it's not visible, it's it's good that if there's something at least internal that mm-hmm. can be used for identifying the owner. And then legally, while a lot of people think, well, I don't want to take the pet to the shelter, chances are the owner of the pet is looking at the shelter because they know where the pet should end up if it's lost. So even if you think, oh, this owner was irresponsible and I want to keep the pet, legally you do need to take the pet into the shelter to be held for its its stray time. So that's generally five days while the shelter tries to reach the owner or the owner is there looking for it to get it back again. Most shelters have a policy where if you're the one that finds the animal, if the owner does not come in and claim it again, you have the first right of refusal to adopt that pet. Um, Do check with the shelter and make sure that's the case because all shelters have their own individual policies. But 
clearly they want to be able to reward people for doing the right thing. Sure. The people who keep a pet and don't ever bring it to the shelter are really doing both the pet and the owner a disservice because even if they are trying to pass some sort of judgment on how the pet got loose, pets get loose. It happens no matter how my own pets have gotten loose. And, you know, a gate that didn't latch all the way or somebody goes through your gate to check the meter and doesn't close it, it can happen. So owners who are you know, looking for their pets have the right to get them back. If you just keep a stray pet, you do not become the legal owner. And if that owner, if the previous owner sees you three years later with their pet and they can prove that that's their pet, it's still legally their property. So it's best to go through the proper channels, give the pet a, t- a chance to be reunited with the owner. And then if, it, if that doesn't happen, then you can adopt it. So what's the difference between like, uh, like, how does animal control fit into this? Like, let's say I see a dog and uh, I don't know what it is. And I, I mean, maybe it scares me, but I see it. I mean, where does animal control versus a shelter sort of fall in? Well, there's really not a distinction. The animal control or animal services those are shelters. And so you have private shelters like uh, the Humane Society of Utah is a private shelter. They do not take stray animals. They take animals directly from their owners. Whereas the shelters that do, that have an animal control or animal services function generally don't take animals from their owners. So each Mm -hmm. of them has kind of their own uh, role. And if you don't want to try to handle the animal or you can't get to it, if you call animal control, they will come in and get it and pick it up and take it in where it's safe. Because truly not doing anything means that pet is going to be running loose and could get hit by a car. The really great thing that I've noticed is the online apps like the Nextdoor app. I see so many animals reunited in real time because somebody sees it posts its location, those are very specific to individual neighborhoods. And so not only are they reporting, you know, any suspicious person walking or somebody riding a bike at 3 a.m., but they're also helping each other find and reunite lost pets. So if somebody sees a pet, they take it into their yard, they post on the Nextdoor app that, you know, I found this husky, it looks like this, it has this collar. And a lot of times people within an hour who are actively looking for their pet will be able to go get it. So there's um, Facebook groups for that. Um, there's a Utah Lost and Found Pets on Facebook where people post lost and found pets. And and that really, I'm not saying bypass the shelter because you still have the same legal obligation if you take the pet in, but even posting sightings is helpful in getting pets back to their, their people. Talon? Let's say let's say your millennial self has decided. You know what? I'm, I'm this this old apartment or my house is a little lonely. I want to have a pet. Um, what uh, what type of pet would you want to have? Uh, that's always been a tough decision between a French and English bulldog. Okay, so so you want to go in the dog yes. category. Okay, so Tema, my question is, like, for a young man such as Talon, if he comes into the shelter, what are some of the hard questions that people should think about before they decide to become a pet owner? Well, certainly do your homework first and know that the breed or type of animal that you've chosen really fits with your lifestyle. Some of those types of um, English bulldogs and French bulldogs, because of their shape. That is why I would like a mutt. I don't want a pure breed there you because, go. yes, yes. He so, read my so I, mind. So I'd like one that is mostly one of those bulldogs, sure. but definitely some mutt in there. 
Sure. So with a lot of the purebreds, especially ones like English bulldogs and French bulldogs, because of their their shape, they have a smushed face. They tend to have sometimes eye issues and respiratory issues. So be sure that you can if you do get the exact pet that you're looking for, be sure that you can, that you're prepared for any sort of medical issues that come up and just make sure your energy level fits. If the size, you know, if you're concerned about the animal being too big for an apartment, how, how often are you going to walk it? Do you have a yard? Know that it's a good fit, but no matter what you're looking for, you can go to petfinder.com, which is a website that's a national shelter and rescue database. So a lot of these more obscure animals that you think, Oh, those never come into shelters. Somewhere they do. And in fact, Salt Lake County Animal Services just adopted out a young English bulldog last week. So they do come into shelters and there are breed rescues that are specific to these different types of animals. So whatever you're looking for, it's out there. So go to Pet Finder, you put in your zip code and what you're looking for. It starts locally, spans out regionally and even nationally. And some rescue groups will even ship pets, you know, to to a good home in another part of the country. So it's it's out there for adoption. What is the, I guess, to, is it the energy level? Is it the home? Like, what is the number one tripwire that you see b- people have when they adopt a, a pet? Why they wouldn't keep it or? Yeah. I mean, I think people do. I think people are incredibly well-intentioned mm-hmm. in, sure. in almost all things. And Absolutely. they're like, I want to get a pet and I, for whatever reason, and they w- go in wanting to be a good pet owner, but something happens and mm-hmm. so so is so what are what is like sort of the one or two biggest tripwires that you see some of them have absolutely nothing to do with the actual pet you know a divorce losing a job a death in the family literally the death of the owner mm-hmm. you know but with the things related to the pet the owner has a responsibility to make that a good pet for their family, especially if they're starting with a young animal. So obedience training is really important. People start with a cute little puppy, and if they don't give it any training, they find by the time it's 9, 10, 11 months old, it's unruly. It's They're frustrated. They can't get it to do anything, but they haven't invested the time in training it to be a good member of the family. So that's an important thing. You have a responsibility to, to make sure that you help make it help the pet understand what you expect of it because when you have a full-grown German shepherd that jumps up on everybody and you know pees in the house and you're gonna go oh I can't handle this dog anymore but you didn't invest what you needed to to help it be a better fit uh Christy yes how many pets did were you a pet family as a as a child um I grew up on a farm, and so we had lots of animals, but not a lot of pets. Mm. Um, But I had, um, when I was married, we had uh, three dogs, Mm. and uh, and I have a cat now. So did you get any of the three dogs when you had a horse? I did not. uh, They came with the house, and I did not want the house, so that seemed to make more sense than making the other person look for a rental that would allow three dogs. So, uh, but now you have a cat. Now I have a cat. Do Scout. We, oh, is that the real name of your cat? That's my real name. Okay. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess we've been spending a lot of time talking about dogs. Um, how do you feel as a cat owner over the holidays? Or is your cat just like Meh. my cat is so indifferent? I was joking with with a friend of mine this weekend that like cause we could hear the dogs barking as the fireworks went off, and and I was like, you know. If there ever were a time that my cat were affected by things, I would know that things just got very real in my apartment, whatever it was, because she is 
uh, blissfully indifferent to all things, including me most of the time. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a cat. Yeah. You have a cat too, right? I have two cats. Two cats. Yeah. yeah brothers. Tell um, us about your cats. Uh, they are um, very large uh, domestic medium hairs uh, and that are orange and white but they uh, one is 16 pounds and one is 14 pounds so they're they're decent size uh, they're decent size cats they're not like Norwegian forest cats but they're for what they are they're pretty big uh, and they are seemingly indifferent and less except for weird things like all of a sudden you like turn around or you open a can of soda and they're like yeah but yeah <laughs> things that you would think that they would be upset by they're like Meh. I wake up every morning to scout screaming at me and I don't I still don't know why like it's not food because I feed her and she still yells like she just in the mornings just has a fit every morning but so I mean there is the stereotype with cats being you know a lot more indifferent but when we were talking about fireworks earlier you mentioned that they can affect cats too is that is it a common thing no not really it is definitely more rare but when they are outside roaming Uh, there are cats that I think inside cats feel safe and they don't react but if they're outside and they're seeing the lights and you know especially in in the neighborhood when they're fireworks going off they can be affected Hmm. um you're listening to am 1280 97.5 fm the zone this is slc culture we are talking about pets uh we've been talking a little bit about the holidays but should we talk about how you maintain how do you how do you keep your pets generally safe in the summer like having nothing to do with fireworks but what are some of the you know what are some of the things to be a responsible pet owner during the hottest time of the year and hopefully my air conditioning will be fixed when i get home because i have two cats that are sitting in a house with no air conditioning right now speaking of so yeah i hope that for all of you yeah yeah for the the people and the cats me too well, uh, there are a few different things to think about that are very serious this time of year. One is clearly the pets in cars issue. And I think I, I always tell people the people that are driving around with their pets in their cars are people who love their pets. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would ignore them and, and not take them with them. They want their pet with them. But when it's warmer than I used to say 70 degrees, I've heard even 70 degrees is is too warm. Generally, when it's above the, the mid 60s outside, it's too warm to leave a pet in the car simply because your car basically acts like a a greenhouse when you're parked outside and the windshield traps the heat inside and even with even in the shade which obviously moves and even with the windows partway down a dog can't sweat the way a person can to release heat so they pant and if they're trapped inside a car that's that's very hot they can't release the heat and and it quickly builds up and the temperature inside a car can get extremely hot in a very short period of time even in in 10 minutes it can go up 20 or 30 degrees so with all good intentions people think they're just running a quick errand and they park the car and run in but you never really know if somebody in front of you is going to write a check or and then nobody knows what to do because nobody writes checks anymore or there's some sort of delay and that that errand runs on from minutes into you know 15 or 20 so unless your pet is getting out of the car with you when you arrive at your destination it's best to leave them home where they're going to be cool Unfortunately, people run errands and even sometimes forget that they brought their pet with them, and it can be tragic very quickly. So 
besides the the car issue is in the yard be sure they have shade at all times of the day make sure they have fresh water if the bowl of water is sitting in the sun dump it frequently and refill it because no matter how thirsty a pet is they're not going to drink hot water Mm -hmm. and so pets can die in their own yards when in the extreme heat if they're you know especially a yard that doesn't have a lot of uh you know lawn or, or trees or you know or a pet that's tied up that can't get into shade so you know realize that when they are walking even for exercise in the this time of year they're covered in fur their paws can be too hot they can get overheated easily so it's hot for us it's it's extra hot for them keep them safe um so pause uh how hot does the black i mean do people put little booties on? I mean, I so I grew up in Minnesota, and so we had we were a dog family, and so I remember when I was a kid, uh, the dogs just sort of did their thing. But then my mother one day she's like, oh, you know, dogs can ha- get frostbite on their little paws, and so she ended up putting on like little paw things. And then my cousin who lived in Arizona, Phoenix, maybe, was like, oh yeah, we put those on in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, interesting. So I mean, so how tough are a dog or a cat's paws, and like what is what happens when they hit the asphalt and the concrete? Well. We know as as humans, if you just run out to get something during the summer, you run out to get the mail or something barefoot, it burns your your feet. It's it's too hot, and asphalt is even hotter than than the white um, cement of a, a sidewalk. It's just generally best. You can use booties, or you can just avoid the hottest parts of the day because midday is is too much for them. Hiking or you know exercising, exercise is good for them, but you should do it in the cooler morning and evening hours so that they don't burn their feet or get heat exhaustion. You're listening to AM 1280, 97.5 FM, The Zone. This is SLC Culture, and we are talking about pets in the summer, fireworks, adoption, uh, childhood pets for Christy and Talon, although... Christy had no pets. She just I had, had she just I mean, had meat. Was it the was it the last show or the show before where like I said that I had to take care of a baby sheep one time? I had to take care of a lamb and I missed homecoming. So that's kind of a pet for a while. It's a until she wasn't anymore. Did you feel used? <laughs> ha! Wow. Sheep humor. Oh man. Sheep humor. That was bad. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um Thank you. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say something. No, I was do, listening. Do, do, do. <laughs> you, did you have that one queued up, Talon? Uh, I wanted to play a different one, but it was the best one I could yeah, find. Yeah, he's always like, Christy's in here. Let's get the barnyard sounds ready to go. Uh, <laughs> that's the one, that's not the one you're looking for. Um, <laughs> exotic pets. Oh. Did you ever have an exotic pet? Well, um, no, but. I mean, you had a sheep. But my ex-husband wrote a column a couple years ago about a baby raccoon. Did you hear this story at all? Did you? Did I not tell you about this in real time? My kids were like, there's a baby raccoon in our garage. And um, what I think, like the mother had like dropped it climbing over their fence or something. And so then he was kind of stuck with this raccoon. And it turns out like... Getting somebody to come get a raccoon is a bureaucratic nightmare because they're pests. He ended up like finding like an underground illegal raccoon rescue to take this baby raccoon. It was a whole thing and it was adorable and it made the cutest noises, but it clearly could not stay, especially not since he has like three hounds. Like it could have never, it never could have worked. 
how how big was said? It was a baby. I mean, it was it was like are we talking about like the size of a tennis ball? No, like, give, give me a, bigger give me a than that. Like a like the size of a a pluot butternut squash. Yeah, yeah maybe like a butternut squash. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh-huh. See, we got to have scale. Um, okay, so I think that, that actually that is a good segue for two distinct topics. One, there's the exotic animal thing, which is I don't know, iguanas or whatever. We'll figure out what exotic animals are. And then there's wildlife. And those, I assume, are two distinct things. Mm-hmm. They so, should be. They should be. <laughs> um, so uh, which, which branch do we want to go down first? Exotic pets or wildlife? Anyone? Takers? First, exotic pets. Exotic pets. Okay, and then we will we'll uh, dovetail back, as it were, into wildlife. I'm 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 on yeah. fire today. All right. So what is it? What is an exotic pet? Are they good? Are they bad? You read about the exotic pet trade as something that's like people shipping tigers, but that's probably an extreme case. Um, and how does that sort of affect the work that your organization does? And and what should people know about exotic pets? Well, I think there the, the distinction within the exotic pets is. I think of exotic as anything that's not a dog, a cat, or a rabbit. Oh. So the iguanas and the, but those are legal. There are legal exotic pets. What about fish? And fish? Fish. Are fish exotic pets? Mm, I don't think so. I think they're domestic. Hmm. Maybe it depends on the kind of fish. fish. Yeah. 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 That's a good question. I'll have to think about that. I have a good fish story, but we'll come back to that. Okay. Save that one. Mm-hmm. We'll be on the line. Ah, there we go. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there are legal exotic pets, and if you choose to go that route, with anything, there's probably a very good possibility that you can rescue an exotic pet, because a lot of people get them and realize that they weren't cut out for the care that they need. And so, before you go and purchase one and create demand for more exotic pets to be bred or brought into Utah check and see if there's one that's in need of rescue. I know that a lot of um, reptiles, there's a reptile rescue. I don't recall what it's called, but um, there are parrot rescues. There are a lot of people out there ready to catch those animals that are given up because their owner wasn't prepared. So best to go that route first, rehome, you know, take in a pet that's looking for a home. But then there are the animals that are exotic and illegal and that's a, a road you just don't want to go down because sooner or later you know the the people I, I worked for Salt Lake County Animal Services for 11 years and there were people who had for example um, a pet monkey mm-hmm. and monkeys are not legal and as soon as that monkey bites someone and they go in to get medical care and it turns out that they were bitten by a monkey then you know they're they can't keep their secret anymore so and, and I assume that those, I mean, speaking of our target before about the replace, you know, wanting to have 90% of animals that go into shelters, I assume that an illegal exotic animal cannot, once it, if it comes into the system for whatever reason, you cannot readopt those out. No, right? no. Right. And they don't count. I mean, the, the No Kill Utah is focused on dogs and cats only because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are in the most trouble. Sure. So, and in fact, um, we'll all, we can talk more about this in a moment, but um, cats are actually in more trouble than dogs. Dogs are doing fairly well. Dogs are pretty much statewide at a no-kill level, even though I still feel like there are lots being sold and traded and passed around. Cats are only in, in maybe 78% of the cats are being saved, so they are, are more in need of help than the dogs are. But 
then monkeys and and iguanas and things don't figure into those numbers at all. Mm-hmm. So when you are, you know, tempted, even even um, pigs like pot-bellied pigs often end up in shelters because many cities consider them livestock, even though they're supposedly going to stay small and might be mostly indoor pets. You have to be zoned for a, a pig. So pot-bellied pigs come into shelters because the owner somehow gets into a a problem with a neighbor and the neighbor turns them in because they have a pig and then they can't keep their pig anymore. So then the shelter wants to have a positive outcome for that. So they need to find a rescue for it with, with monkeys and wolves and things like that. They have to find a sanctuary or somebody that can legally take that animal from them. And that's often out of state if there's room for them at all. So best to not even go there because they generally don't have a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Chrissy, I, I, I know. I, or you, you want to tell your pig, pig. your pig well, story? I, I mean, I'm it's sure I've told it on the radio. Talon, you, you've heard Chrissy's pig story, I assume. Yeah. And do we want to have the Tal- most interesting thing about me? Do we want to have Talon recount your Talon, story? Talon, do you want to tell my pig story? Yeah, since to see what an act. Oh no, I don't remember all the details, but I, I, I remember as having a story about a pig. Oh, uh, he doesn't remember. No, I do. I, I. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay. I mean, he but I want you to be an, to I want you to be an active listener because Christy has told told this story at least six times on the radio. But it's a good one. It's been a while. As soon as she says the main detail, I'll probably remember like the whole rest of the story. In 1986 and 1987, I was the back to back pig wrestling champion in Pierpont, Ohio, and in fact, I still hold the record for pig wrestling in Pierpont, Ohio. How is that record judged? I was going to say, what is a record? Yeah, like quantity of pigs or speed? Okay, so are you familiar with the sport of pig wrestling at all? No, I grew up in an urban area. It's a timed event, and you have greased pigs, and you have to put them in a barrel. And it is, the record holder has the most amount of pigs at the end. So in two minutes... Shouldn't this be called pig wrangling? I mean, maybe. Uh, In two minutes, I uh, captured and barreled 12 pigs. Mm. That's all. Okay, so so next time I ask you about Christie's pig story, I honestly didn't remember that. I maybe have never told it on the radio, just drunkenly at the bar with you like six or seven times. But yeah, it's a good story. Uh huh. So I know. Sometimes I'm like, I should put that on my resume. Like that would be a good conversation starter. Mm -hmm. It would definitely make you stand out on LinkedIn. Yeah. Depends uh, what job you're going for. Yeah, but I mean, anyway, it's a good story. So I actually think that it has some bearing into your current job. So it's, some of those skills of wrangling. What is it they say? Like, don't wrestle with a pig because you get dirty and the pig likes it, or something uh, don't, like don't, that. Don't get in the mud with a pig. Yeah, something yeah. to that effect. Uh-huh. Uh, you're listening to AM 1280, 97.5 FM, the Zone. This is SLC Culture, and we're chatting animals, animal rescue, how to keep them healthy in the summer, uh, best friends, animal society. Um, and then, so we talked, we sort of went to exotics, but then the other branch was back to your ex-husband finding the tiny raccoon. Mm-hmm. And that's wildlife. Nelson. It, the kids named him Nelson. Why? I don't know. Oh. Because they did. Okay. Nelson. Nelson. Uh, Nelson the raccoon. But so, and so, do's and don'ts about wildlife. Well, that's... Just generally don't, I suppose. Yeah, probably. mostly don't. Um, that's kind of outside my realm of expertise. I have been working with domestic pets since 1993. And when I worked for the Humane, the Humane Society of Utah in between 93 and 97, we actually got in a baby raccoon. 
and I got to hold it. So that's how I knew, you know, that they were generally the size of a butternut squash because I have, that's my, on my resume, Uh I've held a baby raccoon. Held a baby raccoon. Yes. Generally, though, um, leave that to the experts, but animals like raccoons, unfortunately, they, they're very prevalent even in our neighborhoods. I live near Liberty Park and we have raccoons all around our neighborhood. I've never seen a raccoon since I moved to Utah. Really? I, I had a family that lived in my backyard in Seattle and I would see them yeah. all the time. And in Minnesota, I'd see them all the time. I have not seen a single raccoon. Oh, I see them all the time. I haven't mm-hmm. seen and them. And sometimes I see possums, which are just ugly raccoons. <laughs> just like raccoons with none of the charm. No burglar mask, just like beady, freaky eyes. Yeah. We have and po- their we tails. Yeah, their tails. tails. We have oh. possums that live here? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So raccoons are around, and a lot of people are looking for humane ways of getting getting them moved if they've moved into their attic or their garage. I've had neighbors say, oh, I saw the family of raccoons walking down your driveway at 5 a.m. So I know they're all around us, but I haven't, I've heard them. They sound like little chattering, giggling so demons yeah. at, when they are making their sounds at uh-huh. night. It's the strangest noise. But so it's, it's tough because the people who, you know, the, the people in the government that are tasked with moving them because they are a non-native species, they don't relocate them because they're not, I don't know where they came from, but they're not from here. Right. So, Interesting. So that's why you have right. to go the and underground was, secret Right. And that was kind rescuer. of the point of Robert's column was like, like I tried to do the right thing here and I just hit roadblock after roadblock until somebody like secretly said to me, call this person, mm-hmm. you know, and put a planter on your porch at midnight mm-hmm. and then they'll come and get the raccoon or whatever. So Pretty much. That was yeah. a deep throat reference. Yeah, I, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I have the Googles. I want to look at where raccoons came from. I always thought that they were a native species. Interesting. There are mm. so many of them, they feel native, but apparently not originally. So, so yeah. Desert animals. It's, it's a tough one, how to deal with wildlife. But there are rescues for birds, for example, baby birds that fall out of trees. There are rescues that will take them. And because, you know, people, I had somebody bring a duck to my house one time because it was injured. And I'm like, I don't have any experience taking care of injured ducks. I appreciate that you think that that I do. But um, <laughs> there are there are people in our community that are experts at that and who are um, have the appropriate um, authorization to take in wildlife. At our sanctuary in Kanab, we have a wildlife rehabilitation area where we take in hawks and ravens and owls and things that get hurt, often you know hit by cars or you know, and we can help nurse them back to health. So I had an uncle who did uh, birds of prey rehab when I was a kid, and officially sanctioned and the whole thing. But mm-hmm. it was always so cool because I'd go to Uncle Arnold's house and there'd be like a hawk in the <laughs> spare bedroom or something. Of course, it was but, Uncle Arnold. Yeah, but then he had a kid, and his wife was like, no more birds of prey in the house, so that spoiled all my fun. Just Whoa. another way that kid, we were, you know, he, he ruined my life. Mess, took attention from me, from my grandparents, attention that was rightfully mine, and I never saw a hawk again. Mm-hmm. And and the and the pig wrestling championship did not get that attention and that positive affirmation back he that was, you so desperately was, craved? I was the only grandchild until I was 13. So that, like, my pig wrestling fame had come and gone by that mm. point. Hmm. Well, it, I think it's a, it's a tough, right? It's tough sometimes to intervene, like, with birds and, and even sort of baby raccoons and that theory of, like, you know, 
you know, cute little animals, you know, melt our heart and we want to help them. But sometimes, again, leaving them for the parents or, or these things is the best thing to do. And so sometimes we can actually, this is sort of back to that, like, do we intervene? And generally the answer, I suppose, without horrible broken wings or obvious things is just to, you know, leave the, leave the wild animals. Well, and with birds, a lot of times the mother only keeps one, like picks the strongest and kicks the others out of the nest. So that's nature's process. Kind of like you with your children? Kind of like me with my children. Uh-huh. <laughs> you kicked one out? I kicked one out. One's on her way to college. The mm. other one wants me to move to California to go to college with him. So I per- perhaps... Perfectly normal. Yeah, that's perfectly normal. <laughs> our, our, our relationship like Lucille and Buster Bluth continues. So, um, Hey, can I... That reminded me of something. Sure. Um, speaking of when to intervene, this is a time of year that there are, it's kitten season. So there are a lot of kittens being born. And generally between about May and November, cats who didn't have babies all winter, it gets warm. And they, if they're not spayed or neutered, then they, you know, the females get pregnant and have babies. And a lot of people find litters of kittens and don't see a mom and scoop them up and take them to the shelter because they think that they're doing the best thing. Two things. One is if you find a litter of, of newborn kittens and they don't seem to be actively in distress, the best thing to do is sprinkle some flour around the area and then just observe the area. See if you see footprints from a mom coming back because oh, sometimes the mom has I was, gone. I was wondering where you're going with that. Okay. Yeah, I could tell. I, was, I could yeah. tell by your face. You're like, what is she talking about? Um, so the mom will go out to get food and then come back and nurse the kitten. So as long as there are, you know, check back a few times within a few hours. If you see footprints coming and going, the mom is taking care of the kittens and it's actually best to leave them alone. It's basically the cat version of me locking myself in the bathroom when my children were small just to get away for a minute. Just Mom just needed a break. She's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh-huh. call it, I call it parental onset irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're using the bathroom. It, you're just sitting there reading no, a magazine, yeah, right. whatever. Just, just to like, get away from you for do is like, man, their digestive health really went down the tubes. The yes. only safe place to escape uh-huh. from the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so mom mom has just gone off. She's going to come back. Now, if, they, if mom doesn't come back, tragically, mom has gone off to find food and gotten hit by a car. And there's, you know, within a day, there's no mom, no evidence of mom being around. There are, we, Best Friends has a kitten nursery where we take in about 1,200 kittens a year. Wow. Not from individual people, but from our partner shelters. And the reason is that kittens, prior to this, this is our fifth or sixth year with the kitten nursery. Prior to that, newborn kittens were some of the most at-risk animals coming into shelters because they need to be fed every couple hours like a baby. Um, They're very susceptible to illness. Shelters don't have enough fosters or volunteers or people 24 hours a day to to feed baby kittens and so they were often euthanized Mm -hmm. so we started this kitten nursery and now when those baby kittens come to a shelter that they don't actually enter the shelter they're brought right to our kitten nursery so that we can start taking care of them so so there's a there's a job is it is it all volunteer or is there a job to literally hold cute kittens and give them cute little 
bottles of milk. Is that both, a job? Oh. Both. Um, there are lots. There are volunteer positions, and there are staff who who run the kitten nursery, and and so yeah, both. So speaking of cats, I stumbled across. Are you going to seek a new career path? Do we need to? Who knows? Kitten snuggler. Kitten snuggler. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh-huh. Um, I saw an interesting thing on social media that I think was from Best Friends. I should have paid more attention um, about rehoming what I have to assume are feral cats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was like basically if you have a barn mm-hmm. and you need a barn cat or you want a cat in your yard to keep rodents or pests mm-hmm. away, like we have those too. So yes. you must take feral cats in and then spay and neuter them and then rehome them that way. Yes, thanks yeah. for noticing. That That is us. Yeah. So one of the things that we do, so cats, like I said, are more in need of help than dogs. So not only do are we asking people to adopt cats and kittens from shelters and rescue groups get their own cats spayed or neutered but there's a whole group of you know whole class of cats out there called community cats or free roaming or feral cats it's like the Heathcliff cartoons that's what I'm picturing <laughs> yeah you remember that I do the trash pile and yeah and oh, then yeah. and then there was the other cats like there was one that had roller skates and headphones uh-huh. I forget and there what was the cute girl cat mm-hmm. there's always the cute girl mm-hmm. it's kind of like that uh-huh. so Every community has cats that, um, you know, sometimes they're they're cats that were just let go by people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they've wandered off. But if they're not spayed or neutered, they have babies. And those babies grow up without socialization. So a lot of feral cats, especially adults that were born out there, they're domestic cats in appearance, but they basically are not socialized with people at all. So they are not tameable in most cases. And... So those cats find themselves in a a difficult situation because sometimes people consider them nuisances and they want to trap them and get rid of them. But a better way of dealing with this that has proven to be much more effective than the old trap and kill method is uh, trap, neuter, and return. So people will go out and trap those cats, get them spayed or neutered. They tip their ear. They cut a little tip off the ear so that they can be identified. They vaccinate them, and then they let them go back where they came from. And somebody in the community will agree to be a caregiver. So they give them food. They give them water. They stop fighting and and marking and doing all the annoying things that they were doing. And they are a smaller community and they live out their lives. They don't have extremely long lives, but they people provide shelter for them in the winter. And they have a decent life for for being a free-roaming cat. And that way, that prevents litters of kittens coming in from to the shelters. Those animals, rather than being taken into the shelter and killed, are taken into the shelter, spayed or neutered, and then released back. Shelters, a lot of shelters actually do that as well. If they get feral cats in, they'll sterilize them and put them back. So mm-hmm. it's both a community thing where people are getting them spayed or neutered at veterinarians or the shelters. But that way, it, it hugely decreases the number of pets coming in. The, of cats coming into shelters. So th- um, this is very timely. Thank you for asking this question, Christy, because uh, I have a I have a friend who will be move will be moving out of the state, um, you know, later this year for uh, for a job, and uh, he has an indoor cat, but he also has another cat that has basically become sort of a community cat. And we were having a discussion amongst my friend group. As I mean, the cat is. I mean, his in the sense that he sort of purchased it and he's sort of the one that puts food and water up. But um, but my friend is moving to a large uh, urban metropolitan area. Um, and it's like, is it actually more humane to leave this sort of free range neighborhood cat 
where it is, knowing that, I mean, obviously it gets food in other places too, mm-hmm. or to sort of pick up this cat and move it to a whole another city, and especially one that doesn't have as much green space. Is he going to sell his house? I uh, don't know. My aunt and uncle got a cat once as part of the deal when they bought a house. Hmm. Like the old lady who sold the house was like, the cat stays. And my aunt hated cats. And then the cat lived another 10 years or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of pro like leave it in the neighborhood because this is a neighborhood cat that has its thing and it doesn't really like being inside. You know, it comes inside maybe once a week for 10 minutes and then wants to go out. And then, you know, my other friend was like, no, it's your cat. You got to take it with you. And who's going to? So it's an interesting. It is an interesting question. And I think there's probably not one clear answer. I think it depends on how he feels about it. I would say that if he leaves it behind, he should identify somebody else who's one of the feeders Mm -hmm. and let them know that, that he, you know, kind of basically transfer caregivership to somebody else so that there is a responsible party just in case you know he was the primary feeder and then you know there's not somebody else needs to know that they're they're responsible if he does leave it behind good question christy thanks christian way to keep your eye on the social medias uh-huh. yeah my triumphant return to the social media has already paid off oh did you get back on so did you actually yeah get back on i did and it makes me feel awful and i hate it and i don't want to do it anymore well why don't you get back off i of think so- i'm going to how long have you been back on social media like a week but mm. it's not that great it's soul sucking. But I thought like I needed to start getting, like the one thing that happened when I got off Facebook was people stopped inviting me to things because it wasn't like they could just check my name on the invite list. And so I thought in light of my recent domestic situation, I may need to start getting invited to things again. Hmm. So there you go. That was the logic. Talon, what I think Christy is saying is you need to invite your yeah. friend to more places. So yeah, be Talon. a good friend. What places do you think I'm going to? I don't know. Where are you going? How's your how's Pretty your girl? Pretty much just Provo. You miss it's we the only s- place I go like, to anymore. Sailed right past the deadline. That's not going to happen anymore for you. Oh, that's okay. Okay. I just wanted to point it out. Yeah. That, does that mean it's not going to come up anymore? Probably not. Sweet. Uh, no, I mean, probably it doesn't mean that. <laughs> does that curses. mean that? Probably not. Um, you could have invited Christy to Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Are you going to Hugh Jackman? Not. No. <laughs> Is Hugh Jackman He's the coming to you? Showman. Oh yes, Hugh Jackman is coming to me, but I am not watching any of it. Our I, listeners don't understand. We're, we're breaking the fourth wall. Oh, again. that's true. We, we're actually recording Thursday evening, and Hugh Jackman is going to start his concert here at the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Oh, in about an hour, I would assume, give or take. But actually, you know, Talon, I figure you're more of an Ariana Grande kind of guy. Oh yeah, oh, I would yeah. I, like. I'm not joking. I would honestly much rather see her than Hugh Jackman. But she's, she'll be here last night, I guess, because it's Sunday, but on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, you're, you're going to be in Idaho. Yes, I shall be in Idaho. Oh, sorry. His man. own private Idaho. His own private Idaho. You know, uh, I know, obviously, you would never abuse your employee privileges for working at The Zone to ever pop into a concert for that you did not pay for. No. Talent, I think... No, I would never go see the Foo Fighters without paying for it. Don't quote me on this, Talon, but I think Garth Brooks is in Boise this weekend. Oh, that is a segue. And you should go to there because Garth Brooks, I know, I know, but it's a thing. And don't roll your eyes at me. Listen, I'm an old timer and I'm just telling you, it's a great show. Speaking of which, Christy, we have five minutes and we (laughs) we haven't started the concert. Oh my gosh. And guess what? There's so many concerts this week. 
Is that sarcasm? No. Oh, all right. No, it's like finally happened. All right. Well, you've got three minutes to give us the highlights. You said five minutes. Well, yeah, but I've got to wrap up. I've got to wrap up the show. Okay. Uh, Sunday, Lyle Lovett and his large band. Oh, you are a Lyle Lovett fan. I am, but I'm not going this year. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, And then uh, Tuesday, the 16th, Pat Benatar and Melissa Etheridge at at the Sandy thing. Amphitheater? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday, Band of Horses and Nikki Lane is at the Union, which used to be the Rail. Oh, okay. Uh, and then Thursday, um, Band of Horses, a a animal themed name. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, Thursday, the eighteenth, the Flaming Lips are playing Ogden Twilight. I highly recommend that. But I will be at Hayes Carl, who is playing a free concert at Canyons in Park City, because my friend, that if you are listening, sir, my friend Terry met a man at the last Hayes Carl concert we went to, and then when the lights came on, she got spooked and ran away without exchanging contact information. But now it has been long enough that she doesn't remember what he looked like. But we are going to that concert to try to find him. I'm I'm sure he's looks like whatever you want him to look That's like right. at this point. Uh, also Thursday night, if none of neither of those things work for you, uh, Seal is at Red View Garden. Oh, never going to survive mm-hmm. unless you get a little crazy. Did you see that? Apparently Heidi Klum went off and got secretly married. I did not. Yeah, months ago apparently. Okay, well yeah. I'm sure he's real broken up about that. Well, he's never going to survive. Never going to survive. Seal, um, Seal, also an animal name. That's true. Um, Nora Jones on Friday in Sandy. Uh, the Head and the Heart at Saltaire on Friday. I will be at Bob Schneider at the State Room on Friday. Uh, and then Saturday, July 20th, is the first Salt Lake Twilight concert. Uh, and it is uh, hippie. Oh, I can't remember what I wrote there. Something. Something good. You should go to there. <laughs> Uh, any any absolutely don't go to like no, no any but knows? I do need to issue a correction to oh, okay. our listeners. You may recall um, my passionate feelings about the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson, I, and then you may recall that I was really looking forward to seeing Brian Wilson this summer. But then I mentioned that our friend Stephen Labram texted me that Brian Wilson had postponed his summer tour due to ongoing mental health issues, and then you made a bare naked ladies joke. Um, about how he was lying in bed or something. Oh, but, okay. uh, but Sounds like that. That's plausible. But I was mistaken because Brian Wilson only canceled his June dates. Mm. So his August date in Sandy is still on. So everybody should go to that. Definitely. Perfect. That's all uh, I got. Nice. Well, I, I can't remember the last time you had a, didn't have a... I know. I, I've been uh, so negative for so long about the music scene, but now we're... Now we're we're getting to the we're getting to the good stuff, the good parts of summer. Uh, well, it is. I mean, if there's one thing that this community has, and we've done whole radio shows on it, it is a lot of concerts. Yeah. Uh, we are a music town and a festival town. We are um, a great music town on Tuesdays. Is what yeah. I like to tell people. Um, okay, so Tema, uh, one of the things that I always ask our guests is because and because this started off as an arts and culture show, I feel like a lot of times people think of Utah and they push people to go to national parks and all of that, but I say that the Greater Salt Lake Metroplex is a cool vacation destination because it's got its own cultural scene mm-hmm. that it doesn't involve skiing or national parks. Uh, if you had like three top picks, like maybe a, a favorite restaurant or bar, maybe a favorite uh, cultural activity that you had to do. What are some of your top three things that you would love to suggest to someone coming from out of town to do? We are opera season ticket holders. Oh, nice. We love the opera. I love the arts festival. Uh, that And it, it was great this year. The weather was so nice. Yeah, that was unusual for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I love our gallery strolls. Mm-hmm. 
Do we still do that? I haven't we been do. for a while. But Thir- yeah, third, it's been a little while. Third Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have... Um, Eccles is an amazing venue. We've seen a lot of fun stuff at, at Eccles. Um, we have great Red Butte concerts. Mm-hmm. We go to a lot of those concerts. There's a lot of fun stuff to do here in the city. Awesome. Favorite restaurant for a special occasion? You know, we always go to Sugar House Barbecue. We, mm. My son calls it favorite mac and cheese place. Nice. 2100 so. South and 9th East. Uh-huh. Mm. Awesome. What's have you th- tried the Firehouse? Barbecue across the street. Yes, that's good too. Thank you so much for coming and talking to animals. And I hope everyone will uh, take care of their pets responsibly. And uh, remember that the fireworks are fun to look at, but take care of your pets. And as Bob Barker said, spay and neuter your pets. I always wanted the tiny microphone for that. Uh, You've been listening to AM 1280 and 97.5 FM. This has been SLC Culture. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Austin and Adrian of the Movie Zone coming up next. Going to talk about the Lion King, I bet. I think that's the only thing coming out. Well, we'll find out. And also animal related. That's right. All these questions will be answered and more in the next hour. Uh, talk to you next week. And the girls respond to the call. Who let